How's it going, Zoe Church? Sorry, I have to get some help there. I got my little earpiece stuck in my sweater, but we are all good. I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to Zoe Church. My name is Ruben, and I am the pastor here. I am hopefully your pastor if you're part of Zoe Church. If you want to be a part of Zoe Church, there are... Uh, well, there's not really much you have to do except for join us. Join us online. Join us in Bible studies. Reach out. We'd love to chat with you to get to know you a little bit. And I uh, just want to wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I know this, this day is like for some people, sad. For some people, you know, they don't look forward to this day. For other people, it's an exciting day. And I just want to uh, leave you with this. Would you know that true love First and foremost comes from God. Would you know today, no matter what your situation might be, that God genuinely loves you, that God genuinely cares for you, that in fact we understand and know love because of who Jesus is and for what he did for us. And so wherever you happen, whatever your situation may be, may you know that Jesus loves you. And I pray that that would impact you, that that would change your heart perspective and that you'd be able to just receive that today. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into uh, the word this evening. Father God, thank you so much just for the opportunity to be in your house, to be worshiping your name, to be worshiping you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would lead us into your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that for some of us who've been resistant to allowing you to kind of move and and have your way in us, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would soften their hearts, that they would be less resistant to hearing from you. Because your message, your, your truth, Jesus, about who you are and what you've done for us It's where true life is found. And so, Father, I I pray that all those resistant hearts, those hearts that have hardened over the months, days, years, those hearts who have become callous to you, Lord Jesus, would you soften their hearts today that they'd be able to hear from you. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. We have been in a series called Tranquility of the Soul. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about finding inner peace and inner tranquility. We've been walking through so many different uh, emotions and, and different situations that control us in a negative way. We've been talking about what it means to find a place of serenity, a place of tranquility, a place of, of peace. And we've been leading to the person who is God. And Jesus is where we find true peace and comfort. You know, um, this past week I was uh, sleeping. It was like, I don't know, three something in the morning. And um, all I hear is this. Boom. Da-da! That's my daughter. Running through our hallways with her hands up in the air. And usually this is like, it's like a pee warning. It's like she got to go pee in the middle of the night, so I got to take her to the bathroom. We're like, oh, okay. It wasn't that this time around, though. It was, she had most likely probably had a bad dream. She woke up super scared. And I want you to see, this is a child's heart. The first person that she wanted to run to were her parents, was, was her dad. Because for her, she recognizes where her peace is found. 
She recognizes where her safety is. She recognizes the person, the place where she is able to be protected when she is scared. But she, didn't, she doesn't just run to me at moments when, um, when she's scared, but also she runs at moments when she's in joy. In fact, um, I, I, I remember coming home from a long day of just, you know, work. Um, I think actually uh, Ryan Sutra and I were at, here at Zoe just like fixing up some stuff. It had been a long day of like, you know, fixing things, putting things up or whatever. I got home finally. And, you know, that one moment that you all dream for at some point that I've dreamt for, I walk through the door and my daughter hears that I'm walking through and she goes, Dada's here, and then she runs through the hallway and come, and then full bear hug, and she just like, you know, grabs a hold of me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is like, well, for me, number one, selfish. I'm just like, I love this, this is amazing. But at the same time, it's like, that's where her joy is found. It's, it, it's, it, she knows that in her parents' embrace, in her parents' presence, no matter what's going on, no matter what pande- pandemic, you know, is going on, no matter what situation, whether it's raining outside, snowing outside, whether we're trying to figure out, you know, how to pay the bills, as long as she's with us, she's, she's cool. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about one of the most important parts to finding tranquility. One of the most important parts to learning how to find peace. See, we've been journeying, learning how to find peace through Jesus. And today I want to talk about one of the most popular passages of Scripture because I believe that's where this truth is found. We're just as like my little daughter will run to her parents because she knows that's where safety and protection and peace is. In the same way, I want to ask us a question and say, who do we run to in those moments? When your heart is weary or when you're just full of joy, who do you run to in those moments? Today, I want to go to a really popular passage, and that is Psalms 23. You know, most of you probably have read it. Whether you're brought up in the church or not, it doesn't matter. It's one of those popular, you know, uh, uh, passages of Scripture. And even if you've never heard of it before, that's totally okay. It's, it's six verses, six sentences. It's really simple. You're going to be able to, uh, you know, understand them really easily. The understanding part's not hard. It's, it's the application. It, 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 it's what comes out of that that is usually a little bit harder for us to embrace. And so, what I want you to do is, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We're going to read it together, and then um, I'm going to jump in and just kind of share a few thoughts. Psalms chapter 23, verse 1 to 6. If you don't have a Bible, do not worry. It'll be up on the screen as well, so you can follow along there as well. This is what it says. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You know, David, who was actually a shepherd uh, boy at one point in his own, you know, life, turned king now, the, the entire nation of Israel. He, he's the one who wrote this psalm, and the psalms were like uh, poems or songs, that, in fact. 
And David knows more uh, than anyone else actually cares to share in Scripture and is kind of open about it, what it feels like not to feel tranquil, not to feel peace, not to feel like life is just, you know, smooth sailing, so to speak. David knows what it's like to feel disorder on the inside, to feel dismay in your life, to feel defeated and as if destruction is all that you experience. You know, one of my favorite scholars to read and to study, I wrote a book called The Good Shepherd. And if you're an avid reader, I encourage you to pick this book up. It's a really good read. His name is Kenneth Bailey. And most of what I've learned from Psalm 23 and many of the other passages of Scripture comes from him. And this is what he says about David. He says, we know a great deal, and the quote will be on the screen. He says, we know a great deal about the turbulent life that David led, dot, 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 of murder, incest, betrayal, adultery, treachery, civil war, the killing of his son, David knew them all. And David, knowing and experiencing all of these things, getting that first sentence, almost like a title for this uh, passage of scripture, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Guys, the question I want to ask you today it's going to be a reflective sermon, by the way. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. What does it mean for God to be the shepherd of your life? What does it mean for God to be the shepherd of your life? You know, if I were to, for a quick second, just kind of jump at the end of my sermon here, just give you a little glimpse of where we are going today, here's the truth. Many of you feel the disorder and the fear within because God isn't the shepherd of your life. God is not the one leading your life. Something else is. You've trusted in something else, you've valued something else. And that's why you fear and you struggle the way you do. And what we've got to do is we've got to learn to come back, to be able to say what David said, that despite whatever he went through and all that he felt, this was his baseline. In fact, David's known as, been a, as, as a man who was after God's own heart. A lot of things David got wrong, but this one he didn't. His heart was in the right posture, and yet this is what his heart was at. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me go back for two seconds. You've got to ask yourself this. What does it mean to have a shepherd in your life, Right? I mean, why does this imagery get played over and over again in Scripture? That we are sheep and God is a shepherd and we're in need of a shepherd. Well, here's the bottom line. It's because of the way we were created. Sheep are the best description for us as mankind. You know, a shepherd leads his flock of sheep, the group of sheep. While sheep don't lead other sheep. Sheep are meant to follow their shepherd, follow their leader. Sheep are followers. And sheep have this need for a shepherd. Without a shepherd, uh, they're absolutely lost. You see, sheep, honestly, uh, I'm going to say a few things right now. Some of you are going to get offended, but that's okay. Just stay with me, all right? To be honest, sheep are pretty dumb. That, that's, that's the honest truth. Sheep are pretty dumb. Actually, uh, I had the privilege many years ago of hanging out with my uncle who does ministry in the villages of India, uh, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, uh, does an amazing ministry there. And, 
And actually, in the villages of India, I got the privilege of being able to see how sheep and shepherds, you know, relate and connect. I got to see these shepherds, these Indian shepherds, which is weird because you don't typically think of Indian shepherds, but that's a thing. Uh, and, and, and they were moving like thousands of sheep, man. At least that's what it seemed to me across like plains to get them from one side to the other. I was seeing the relationship and how the sheep are so lost, they have no sense of direction. They're kind of like just in their own zone. And without the shepherd, and the shepherds, you know, help, like, like, the sheep would just be so lost. And that's the actual truth. When you read Kenneth Bailey, you read the history of what sheep are even like. Sheep are dumb animals. They're not smart. It's interesting because goats are actually independent animals. And goats are very smart animals. Goats are, uh, you know, very different from sheep. So it's interesting that David would use sheep, being a shepherd, and yet he would say, you know, this, the sheep-shepherd type relationship, he relates it to this. You know, sheep get easily scared, easily frightened, and they're always looking on their, uh, for their shepherd to rely on, because without their shepherd, without the one who holds the staff that they know from young, the one to follow, they're lost. You know, sheep, in fact, can't even find life on their own. They need their shepherd to lead them to food and to water and to protect them. They basically need something to latch onto. <laughs> and I think there's a reason why David uses this illustration for us as mankind. Because the truth is, this is who we are at our core. We as people need someone to lead us, to guide us, to protect us. And every time we try to do this on our own or create our own almost like fillers or something to replace God, it never ends up the way we hope it would. God designed us this way. He designed us uniquely this way so that we could rely on him, so that we'd have to rely on him, that we wouldn't find life anywhere else except for when we're following the one and true good shepherd. But see, here is exactly where tranquility is lost for us today. Because for many of us, God is not our shepherd. You know, many of us feel the turmoil and the turbulence, the tragedy in life controlled by our emotional swings, gripped by fear because we've been following the wrong leader. We've been following the wrong shepherd. In fact, the next five verses that we're going to focus on today, what David focuses on is to show you and I how God is the only good shepherd for you and for, and for me and in fact, if I had more time, I'd walk through Jeremiah 23, Zechariah 10, Ezekiel 34, Mark 6, where, where we see throughout the prophets the telling of not only that there is a good shepherd, but now there are also bad shepherds, those who want to lead the sheep astray, those who are in fact prey trying to attack the sheep. And how Mark 6 then and in Matthew 18 as well, how there's this beautiful picture of a complete story of who the true shepherd was the entire time. And that was Jesus. And so the real question that we have to be asking is who, to, to find true peace is who is the shepherd of your life? Who is the shepherd of your life? My hope today is that as you see the description of who Jesus is, of who God is, that you would put your trust and your hope in God, that God would become your shepherd. So let's jump in. Verse 1, it says, a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
What he's saying is God is my leader. God is the one whom I will follow. And I shall want, talking about, I don't need anything else. I lack nothing else. There is one great desire in my life. The Lord to be my shepherd. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know, sheep don't know how to find food. You know, there are other animals out there that are very smart and learning how to hunt and all that kind of stuff. Sheep's not one of them. In fact, the sheep would get so scared that even, you know, rivers with rushing waters, they wouldn't go. They would die before they go and they drink from water. That was really fast. They needed to be led to still waters where they wouldn't get scared. They needed to be led to places of green pasture to be able to eat and find life. That's how frightened sheep really get. And yet David notes that God knows. This is what he's really saying when he says he makes me light on green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He's saying God knows what you really need. He knows exactly what will and won't work for you. Because he is the good shepherd. A bad shepherd wouldn't care. A bad shepherd wouldn't be interested. A bad shepherd would lead you to whatever. But for a good shepherd, a good shepherd knows what his sheep really need. Here's the thing. Some of you have been so unsatisfied on the inside. It's because you've been running in the wrong direction. You're like, there's something in my soul that I need. I'm hungry. There's a hunger within me for for something, but I don't know what it is, and I try to fill it with this and fill it with that and fill it with this and fill it with that, but I'm not able to understand why I'm never truly satisfied on the inside. Could it be that you've been running to the wrong things and the entire time you've been escaping the one person who can lead you to find true satisfaction on the inside? This is who David says God is. And then he continues. He says in verse 3, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Restores here uh, is more accurately in the Hebrew, specifically in this context, is more he turns me around. He turns me back. In other words, it's the idea of he corrects our direction. He leads us to repentance, which is why it emphasizes that second part. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What he's saying is that God will lead you to the right places of your life that will correct you, that will get you on the right path. And in fact, it's not just for your good, it's for his name's sake. And because he is good and because he is holy, he will be faithful. And that's something so powerful that we can hold on to. But I want you to see something else here as well. Something so unique that as I was was praying through this passage, it hit me like a freight train. I was like, this is absolutely, this is is game changing, even just for my life. Notice what he says. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You know something about God that's different from the world? God doesn't drive us. God leads us. There's a huge difference from being driven to something than being led into something. See, many of us have been driven in our lives, driven by hate, driven by anger, driven by fear, 
driven by people, forcibly pushed to do things, guilted, shamed, tons of different things. But that's not God. God doesn't drive you to things. God will prompt you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Because a choice has to be yours in the end. I don't know about you, but that is so freeing to me to know that my God cares so deeply for me that in fact he'll care enough to take into uh, consideration what I want to say, what I am feeling, what I'm thinking. That he chooses to lead us rather than drive us and force us into something. That is the God whom we serve. That is the good shepherd. Every time you feel driven in your life, whether it's emotion, whether it's people, forced to do things, there might be something there for you to question and reassess what's going on. And then he, he, he kind of ends the passage where he's talking about the good shepherd here with the fourth verse, and he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, what he's saying here is even when you come across those darkest moments of your life, God, as your shepherd, will never leave you. God's presence will comfort you. And his metaphorical rod and staff, what shepherds typically use was for protection and something that, you know, was an identification for sheep to know who their shepherd was. God's metaphorical rod and staff, they comfort us because we are able to recognize and identify who our true God is. We know that even when we're defenseless, he will protect us. Which is why knowing that God is a good shepherd who cares so deeply about us, even in the darkest moments of our, of our life, comforts us. It comforts me because here's the thing. David knew that you're not going to just run away from valleys. You're going to have valley moments in your life. We all will face them. It's because of the situation of life. We live in a sin-filled world. We're going to face those darkest moments, and yet God says, listen, I don't ask you that. Jesus, in fact, says this in his prayer. I don't ask God that you take them away from it, but that you're able to just sustain them, keep them through it, that I would be with them. God, Jesus promises presence despite all that we might face. And then what David, in fact, says about Jesus, what about God, is that his presence with you, no matter what you're facing, that'll be the comfort that you experience. Listen, church, whatever your even though moment in life may be, if Jesus is your shepherd, you can believe that you will come through it. You will get through it because Jesus is your good shepherd. Whatever your even though moment in life may be, I don't know what your even though moment in life is. I don't know. Maybe it's even though I may lose my job, even though I may never find a husband and wife. Even though I feel the pain, even though I'm anxious and depressed, even though, even though, whatever it may be, you can hold on to. Even though I walk through the shadow, the value shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with you. He comforts you. And then, in verse 5 and 6, the imagery actually switches up. And the imagery switches up to this festive meal where uh, typically they were held for celebrations and for honored guests that were uh, uh, welcomed in people's homes just during David's time, right? You've got to think about thousands of years ago. 
And then he says in verse 5 and 6 about a host. You prepare a table before me, speaking of God, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Basically what David is conveying here is that God is going to show you favor, even in the presence of those who hate you. And they might scoff, and they might get bitter, want what you have, be jealous, whatever it may be, but God is going to show you his favor because that's a part of being a part of his kingdom. That's a part of being, you know, one of his children. That's a part of following God. That's his love for you, that he will bless you. He will anoint you, even in the presence of those who might not like you, and in fact, maybe those who are oppressing you. And then he concludes that mercy and goodness shall follow you all the days of your life. And then he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And sometimes we kind of, this last part is so unique because it's David not being ADD, but it's David almost like concluding his beautiful thought of not only is God the good shepherd, but God is the great host where God, in fact, will host me and care for me like a good host does. And in their culture, hosting someone was, was of high regard. It was of high honor. Like, think about, like, Downton Abbey when they had someone, you know, come over to their house. It's like you host them. You know, you care for them uh, in this deep way, except, you know, multiply it by 100 or whatever, right? But then he gets this part, and then I, where David says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And sometimes this part kind of gets misunderstood because we think, well, this is eternal life, Right? That's actually not the case because in this context specifically, the way they would have understood this is not this is eternal life that God is promising. To dwell in the house of the Lord, the way they wrote it, the way they understood it was actually to dwell in God's temple, which actually then would have meant that what David is in fact saying is, God, my heart will be for your ministry all the days of my life. God, I will be after your ministry. I will be a minister of your temple, so to speak all the days of my life, all the days that I have left. Even, and, and, and don't miss this because this is so important. Peter, in fact, makes this so much more clear in the New Testament. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, where in his letter he says this, that we are a royal priesthood. He calls you and I royal priesthood. In other words, when we hear this being said, what he's really saying is that as we are now responding, that God is our good shepherd, it's not that we just hope for a, a, a salvation at the end one day. That's absolutely promised as well. It's not about that. David goes straight to, and I will dwell in your house starting today. I will be a minister for your kingdom starting today. There's a response in David's heart to say, I want to serve you with every ounce of who I am and what I have, God. And then that question gets posed to us, is that really our heart posture? Is that our heart posture to God with our lives? See, don't miss this. The rest that God, in fact, offers and the rest that he's focused on, that David, in fact, even identifies, it's not idleness. It's not laziness. It's not, okay, I'm going to just take away all the things from your life. In fact, it's pointing them to do what they were called to do, to do what David was meant to do, that that's where true peace and satisfaction is found. You know, can you put that one quote up that's next? Nadia, throw it up for me, the next one. 
not that one, the all the way at the end. Starts with tranquility. Yeah, there we go. The one thing that I want you to grab a hold of today is that tranquility is not found in escaping your problems, but embracing your calling. You hear me? Tranquility is not found in escaping your problems, but by embracing your calling. That's what David did. That's what he did. It wasn't just about running away from his fears, running away from those who were hating him, running away from those who wanted nothing to do with him, avoiding the people that he didn't like, avoiding situations because he was scared. Instead of just running away, his focus was, I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am going to be focused on God's kingdom and on God's ministry for the rest of my life because that is my calling. You want to know how to find tranquility? It's not found in escaping your problems. It's found in embracing your calling. And so, fam, that's what Psalms 23 is about. That's what Psalms 23 is really speaking to. That we would all get to this place understanding that God is our good shepherd. And that knowing that he's a good shepherd and also a good host, that we can follow him and embrace the calling that God is calling us to. This is the goal. And this is my challenge for you guys this week. That you would work on getting your life to the place where you would be able to say, like David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So fam, Here's my question for you. Same question I asked you at the beginning. Who is the Lord and the shepherd of your life? If it's not Jesus, if you haven't considered Jesus, can I encourage you today to genuinely consider Jesus as the Lord and the shepherd of your life? Can I, can I ask you to consider what it means to follow Jesus can I ask you to consider what it means to focus and fix your eyes on Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who cares for you, who will lead you, not drive you, who has a calling in store for you, who will show you his favor and his love because he cares so deeply about you. Jesus, thank you so much for your heart. Thank you so much for the truth that you are the good shepherd. You are the faithful God, even when we don't deserve it, Jesus. I pray that those who have been far from you would come back and would see how good you truly are, Jesus. And for every single heart, Lord God, who, who follows you, who believes in you, Jesus, who are like, you know, I believe in Jesus, absolutely, but I've kind of wandered away. Jesus, would they understand the weight and the importance that you are our good shepherd? That is a privilege to be able to say that. 
that we have a good shepherd who cares for us. Didn't have to be the case. But that is your deep, unconditional love for us. That you care for us. That you want us to find life more than we even realize. More than we even want. That Jesus help us open our eyes, remind us of how good you truly are. In your holy and precious name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, have a great Sunday. Have a great rest of the week. I hope you stay blessed. If you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, obviously we're doing that online. So all the information's here. You can text. You can go online. You can also talk to me if you need to be e-transferring or whatever. But go this week with this one truth that God is our good shepherd. And I pray that you would be challenged, that you would be filled with excitement to get your heart to the place, to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I love the way uh, the NIV actually phrases it, the last little part. He says, I lack nothing. I lack nothing because God is my shepherd. Go in Jesus' name. Peace.